Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad to have you here with us again. Totally happy to be with you one more time for another episode, and we appreciate you listening. We'd love to give you a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. If you have found yourself in a relationship that's been betrayed, you will want to know what to do. There are so many steps and things you can do that can make things so much better as you get started organizing your trust building efforts, both for the person who's been betrayed, for the person who broke the trust, and then what the couple can do together. I've created a video course that you can download immediately called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. You can find the course in the link found in the show notes. So just click on that link and we'll send you the course today. Yes. We're going to talk about a topic that comes up a lot Yep. In my practice. A, yeah, yeah. Which is really about how to deal with how to deal with the pain from a betrayed partner. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of men, I work primarily with men who have broken trust with their wives. That's the bulk of what I work with, probably 90%. So I'm going to talk about it that way, but this this applies both directions, I think. Yeah. So if you're in an opposite situation, then just hopefully you can transpose it and Dude, understand the, the mental gymnastics. What we're talking about. But this really comes, this really, this question really is about like, you know, how do I stay strong for my wife in her pain, especially when her pain causes me to go inside and freeze up? Mm -hmm. um, and then she becomes angry because I'm frozen and then I freeze more. And here yeah. we go, right? There's yeah. the dilemma. Yeah. It's a really good question. Really common too. Really? Is it very, is that very common for the recovering partner to freeze? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, a betrayed partner, you know, betrayed people can, you know, freeze as well. That's a that fight, flight, or freeze is a yeah. is a response. All of us, you know, freezing is a pretty normal response. But I, I think, I think what happens a lot of the times with the person who's the recovering person who's trying to heal and rebuild trust, the reason they go into freeze more commonly is because most of them have learned, probably after a few mistakes, that fighting's not going to work, hmm. fleeing's not going to work, right? So they they can't run away. They can't go after their person they hurt. They're not, you know, they're trying not to be aggressive or disappear. So instinctively, they're just going to freeze hmm. and just kind of be there deer in the headlights. But what's interesting is that from an attachment perspective, freezing and being non-responsive in some ways feels worse and more scary than not having the person there or having them oh, in your face. Oh, for sure. And I'm not advocating that violence or no, getting no. aggressive is healthy or abandoning someone's fine, but you can do something with both of those. It's like, oh, they're gone. I have to, you know, I gotta, I'm on my own. Yes. Or they're in my face or, and I've got to like fight back. And we're having an or, argument. Yeah. And yeah. We're navigating that, but like. But having somebody sitting right there in front of you. All frozen up. you're hoping for some kind of response and they're frozen. That's an overwhelming kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So then it can create more anger, right? It can almost trigger like a fight response. Like, well, say something, do something. Yeah, like, let's yeah. get this going. Mm -hmm. And then the other person gets frozen like and then. Pursuer withdrawal. Yeah. Kind of extremes. So staying strong in that moment of that, that freeze reactivity cycle, I think it's a great question. And I think it's an important thing to understand how to do because 
if you can't unfreeze, if you can't be responsive to your partner, it's going to be really hard to rebuild trust. Yes. A lot of guys will think, you know, they'll, they'll just sort of be like, well, like a deer in the headlights. I'm just going to stand here and not move and hopefully bad things <laughs> won't happen. <laughs> it's just a human instinct. I mean, animals do it. We do it. It's like, don't make a sound. Don't move because we're trying to not make things worse. It's coming from partly from a conscious thing to like not ruin it, but it's also coming from an instinct of, I don't know what else to do. My body's flooded. I'm frozen. I'm scared. And it's really hard for a lot of betrayed partners to feel compassion for this moment because they feel like they deserve a response. And they do. They do need a response. Yeah. They've been lied to. Mm. Oftentimes they've been deceived. Yeah. Iced out. You know, so there's... Yeah. Things have been kept from them. Yeah. So to yes. continue having to face that experience where more is being kept. Mm-hmm. It looks and feels like more secrecy. Mm-hmm. It can, you know, it feels abusive. And so it's really a lot to ask a betrayed partner to say like, well, the freeze response is happening because it's pretty normal. And, you know, it's just like, they don't care. They can't care. Yeah. Because it feels urgent. And I get that. It's like, I need something right now because I'm not in a good place. Mm. But I do appreciate the, you know, this person that is asking this question or wanting to understand how do I stay strong in the moment when I freeze. The first thing I would say is just acknowledge as soon as you can to yourself and to your partner that you're frozen. Sure. Like that's... Yeah. It'll cut through some of that a little bit. That Just to be able to say, I mean, because just even saying that out loud is a non-frozen act. Exactly. Even though it's acknowledging the the actual frozenness. Yeah. Strangely enough, it creates some (laughs) movement. Counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, you know, when your car is stuck in the mud and everybody's just sitting there and like, there's some relief when somebody finally opens the door and goes out and tries something. Sure. It's like, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen or if it's even going to work, but there's, it's like you sense that movement's needed. Something's got to move or change. That frozen state is really hard on us. Hmm. We don't like it because it it just generates. Yeah. Neither party likes it. I don't think so. Hmm. I mean, I think that the person who's frozen in that moment might for a moment just feel like like they can feel a little bit safe or Mm -hmm. feel, you know, sheltered or protected or, you know, there's maybe a moment, but I mean, ultimately there's no movement, there's no growth, there's no, you know, and again, it's all in the context of the relationship. And so the freezing doesn't work because the relationship, it becomes reactive. The other person's just like kind of banging on the door, like what's going on? Where are you? You know? And so it doesn't work relationally for sure. It might, I mean, is it like a short term? Yeah. It kind of accomplishes a short-term purpose. I honestly feel like a lot of it's involuntary. And I know Mm -hmm. that that's a hard thing to hear because we all want to know that we have choice. I think that the initial freeze response for most of us is involuntary. I don't think it's a conscious choice. I think the choice after freezing is sort of when we come to ourselves and realize that we're frozen Mm -hmm. or when the other person is responding to us and saying, you're frozen (laughs) or where are you or say something or don't ignore me or whatever they might say. At that point, there, somebody has to, at some point, acknowledge and start to talk about just what's happening in that moment Yeah, and getting out of that free state. Well, so I kind of wanted to go here at the beginning, mm-hmm. and maybe this is a good time for it. But when it sounds to me like somebody, like the betrayed partner has come on strong in some form or another, strong in her pain. Yeah. And his response to that is 
to freeze mm-hmm. because it's too intense. It's too, and whether that intensity is because she's actually been intense, maybe raised her voice, used really strong language, or maybe just because asking a question, she's yeah, yeah. or made a statement uh-huh. like, I feel so unsafe. Yeah. And right. in a really gentle way. And that at some point, does there just need to be a building up of resilience so that her feelings don't trigger a freeze response? Mm, I love that question. Yeah, I love that question. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I think a lot of that practice that you're talking about is going to come from facing his own story. Okay, sure. Getting sure. honest about, I mean, like in the 12 steps, you know, the first three steps are about admitting. Yeah. Admitting to yourself, admitting to God, admitting, you know, to other, like admitting that there's even a problem. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. And being able to face and embrace your own your own struggle is part of developing that resilience. And so a lot of the work of being able to sit with your partner's pain is recognizing that their pain is valid, that they have yeah. a point, okay. that it's coming from truth. Now, they might have some of the details differently than you remember them, or they might exaggerate this or, or whatever because of the pain. That's human nature, but, but there's truth in it. Mm-hmm. There's truth, there's reality that we're dealing with, you know, for the most part. And so I do agree that there has to be some buildup there. So, And I, I mm-hmm. want to add yeah. to what you've just mentioned, um, a buildup of ability to acknowledge and feel feelings as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is often the, the case with somebody in, in recovery is just more of a desire to numb. Yeah. I mean, not in recovery, but the recovering partner having been in a place where their life was organizing around just checking out, not yeah, feeling. getting away from feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the free state, you know, the free state is, is really, I mean, I think the free state for a lot of people is part of the addiction cycle. It's part of, hmm. it's part of an acting out cycle. It's part of the denial, the numbing, the dissociating that goes on that puts you in a place where you're going to cross lines. So there's already been like a reflex or tendency toward that, that Again, involuntary or not has been practiced, has been experienced and lived. And so there's yeah, there's, yeah. there's feedback there that needs to, or there's pathways rather that um, have to be uh, rerouted. Okay. So I think that, you know, as you have time, I think some great ways to build up that resilience and that ability to sit with that discomfort is listening to other people's stories, you know, I, and that's through listening to podcasts or going to group meetings or whatever, that aren't necessarily your spouse, first of all. Okay. Because Somebody you can, or you're a little removed from. Yeah, but so sometimes- you have a little more bandwidth. Sometimes you get impatient. Sometimes you get bored. Sometimes you get irritated. Sometimes you judge. And those are all good things to practice sitting with, hmm. is, is learning how to tolerate other people's experiences. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, when it's your partner's turn, as you're sitting with your own story and taking accountability for it, and you're practicing listening to, to them talk about their pain, you'll be a little stronger with that. I mean, staying strong in the face of that kind of pain is, again, acknowledging that you're in a freeze response, even naming it. But then like you're saying, doing some of the, the front runner work, the background work of being able to say, I've developed patterns of escaping. Mm-hmm. So setting boundaries on whatever you might be using to escape, that could be food, sex, television, mm-hmm. screens, whatever spending money. There's so many ways we can pop out and dissociate and freeze and escape out of our pain. Yeah. Anything that sabotages your Mm -hmm. potential for resilience when your partner's pain comes up. Exactly. So the better you can get at learning how to manage that, then you'll have a better time getting out of 
that free state, or at least correcting it when it happens. Mm. I think the dilemma comes in this belief that like in this particular like couple interaction, I think the dilemma feels like you maybe you're powerless against like that somehow she should be okay with your freeze response. Like it's the only way you have to respond. Mm. And there can be a blaming element in there that you have to be careful about. Okay. I see this too, which a lot of guys will say things like, well, if she would just bring it up this way, I wouldn't freeze. Right. If she could be really like- she come in like Snow White. and gentle. Yeah. And bring everything to me <laughs> like a Disney princess. And, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen. No. No. And nor should it in a context like this. Yeah. There should be some, I mean, there, there's pain, there's hurt. It would be weird to come in like- That's caretaking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, so, that's mothering. That's not learning how to be in a mutually right. reciprocal- I'll share- uh, you know, I'll share something that, that Jill Manning, who I just think is a brilliant mind, she shared this actually today on Instagram. And she just basically said, we need more pressure to put on the unfaithful to get into recovery and less pressure put on the betrayed to keep the relationship intact at all costs. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So this is that conversation, yeah. which is, yes, you might freeze, but don't put all the pressure on your partner to unfreeze you or to re- yeah. approach you in a way that wouldn't trigger your reflex to dissociate or check out or freeze up. Yeah. That becomes manipulative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's important to, to recognize, yes, you might freeze, own it, and then work on the back end work to understand how to decrease that. There's nothing wrong. Like if your partner's coming at you and screaming, yelling, throwing things, whatever. Sure. I mean, it's common sense that nobody's going to feel anything no. except just wanting to get out of that situation. Sure. We're not talking about those situations. No. And you're not having this. This doesn't become a dilemma if you freeze in that situation and then later revisit the pain. Right. And sort through it. It doesn't become just a a destructive cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If this isn't just, yeah, being, it just seems like there's a, some elements of manipulation or what's the term I'm trying to think of? Like it's just kind of a way to stay safe in mm-hmm. a tough circumstance. Yeah. But then just leave it there and then it just ends there. Right. You might freeze involuntarily. Yes. You, your body will do this. This is a normal thing, especially for men. You know, again, fighting and fleeing maybe aren't, you know, you know, those aren't options. So you just kind of stay frozen. I have a lot of compassion for that. Any man you talk to would be like, yeah, I free everybody. All men freeze emotionally. I was just going to say that. I was going to say, I think when it maybe in other circumstances, Fight or flee are options, but when it comes to emotionally charged... And with the person that you want to be with, the person you care about, freezing is usually going to be the first response. Yeah. But to not use that as a manipulation, to say like, Mm -hmm. well, the reason I'm freezing is because you are so whatever. Mm -hmm. I would back off from that and be really careful and recognize it, that she has to have room to express and feel and share what's going on for her, even if it does freeze you. But taking responsibility for your freeze, doing the back end work, to develop your resilience is huge. And if you find yourself still freezing, still freezing, still freezing, like you can't get out of it, there might be some trauma there. You might have mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great you might have some physiological reactions to intensity or emotion that are maybe way older than this relationship. Mm-hmm. And you got to take responsibility. So whatever your answer is, you don't have to stay in this free state. No. You just don't have to. So hopefully that's helpful. These dynamics are tough and they're messy yes. and there's all kinds of exceptions and applications and things. And, and context. We hope that at least this can start a conversation for you and your your relationship. 
as you try and figure out how to navigate your way out. But we love we love talking about these things with you and hope that they're beneficial to you. Yeah, we sure do. And we hope you'll join us again next time. So we'll look for you there. Yeah.